Good morning, Chapel Roswell, and welcome to our game show series. This morning, we are kicking things off with everyone's favorite, The Price is Right. Valuable prizes are at stake as we welcome our next contestant. Charlie Rogers upstairs in the control room. Tell us, who is next? Joe, our first contestant, is a first-time player but a long-time worshiper, Andy Fretwell. Come on down. You are the next contestant on The Price is Right. <laughs> Welcome, Andy, this morning. We are glad that you are taking part in The Price is Right. All right, here is the deal this morning. Our game is called In the Bag. We have three items up here. We also have three bags. Each one on the front of it, on the face of the bag, has a price. In just a matter of mere moments, you're going to have to put the product in the bag that corresponds with its price. Can you handle that? Yes. If you do, thank you for the excitement. If you do, <laughs> valuable prize will be yours. Unfortunately, you don't want to hear this sound because it means you lost. Yeah, not a good thing. All right, Charlie upstairs, tell us about the prizes that we have this morning. Well, Joe, our first item is Honey Nut Cheerios, whole grain oats with real honey and a natural almond flavor. It's also <laughs> gluten-free. This is a 15-ounce box of Honey Nut Cheerios. Next up, Charmin Toilet Paper. This six-pack of Charmin is irresistibly soft with a unique cushiony feel. And finally, seventh-generation dishwashing liquid. This 25-ounce bottle of safe and effective dishwashing detergent made with plant-based ingredients, 0% fragrances or dyes, seventh-generation dishwashing liquid. Joe, back to you. Thank you, Charlie. Okay, Andy, you ready to go? Valuable prizes, again, are at stake this morning. You've got 10 seconds to take the, the uh, item, place it in the bag that corresponds with its price. Are you ready to go? Andy, it is yours. Go do it. All right, let's see if he has it right. Audience, do you think he's in good shape? Yeah, I think so. Let's check it out. 329, let's see what you put in here. Ah, oh, the seventh generation dishwashing liquid. And Andy, you're right. Woo! All right, let's see what we have in 999. It, in fact, is the Charmin. Two for three. You're now three for three. You've won a valuable prize, Honey Nut Cheerios, $4.19. Good job, my friend. What prizes do we have this morning? Let's see what we can find up here. Oh, here we go. Everyone's favorite, the Chapel Roswell coffee mug. Included in there, you will find several free tokens to our coffee shop right next door. So good stuff. I am glad you didn't hear this sound. Yeah, I just like playing that. So, all right, Andy, congregation, let's give it up for Andy. Good job this morning. As Andy has a seat and as we talk about the fun stuff we've had going on already this morning, let's go to God in prayer. Well, good morning, Heavenly Father. We thank you for leading each of us to this place this morning. May you open our hearts and our minds to what it is that you want to instill in us, what you want to teach us this morning. 
Lord God, we thank you for the sound of laughter. We thank you for the myriad of ways in which you bring us so much joy. And Lord God, may we sense the ways in which you are challenging us and prompting us to action. May our homes, our communities, our workplaces, our schools be better because of our presence in them. Lord, because of your presence in us. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for first loving us. And it's in Jesus' most holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Well, welcome, friends, to our game show series this morning. Again, we got things kicked off this morning with The Price is Right. The Price is Right, by the way, was originally a black and white series that debuted on NBC back in 1956. It was canceled after nine seasons, but back in 1972, CBS revived the show. They brought on the iconic Bob Barker, who would be the host. And now 47 years later, The Price is Right is now the longest running TV show in daytime history. Contestants play a a wide variety of pricing games and they're able to win, therefore, a lot of valuable prizes. Now, one real quick thing, there is kind of a downside to winning on The Price is Right, or really with any game show for that matter, and here's why. You see, winners are required to file a tax return in the state of California because that's where The Price is Right is filmed. The prizes, you see, are regarded as income, and before you can claim the prizes, you actually have to pay the hefty California state tax on those prizes. So they figured it out. If you win a nice car and other prizes, let's say they're worth about $50,000, Before you can take your prize, okay, you actually have to pay $18,000 in cash up front. All right, here we go. Remember five years ago, by the way, when Oprah Winfrey gave a free car to every member of her audience? Well, the bad part is that those $28,000 cars, they had about $12,000 worth of taxes that you had to pay before you can claim them. Many folks, they uh, had to come up with the money in order to pay the tax. Once they got the car and paid the tax, they had to sell the car in order to make money from the taxes that they had to pay. So sometimes the point is that the cost is just sometimes too high. And friends, our scripture talks a lot about that. There are a couple of different angles I want to take to this as we talk about the cost of something, the the price of something. First, what is the cost of following Jesus? There is indeed, according to scripture, a cost that has to be paid. Secondly, what was the cost paid by Jesus for God's purchase of us? We're going to look at the second question Uh, the book of second whoops yeah the price isn't right this morning apparently for some of us I may have to drink the dishwashing detergent now we're we're in good shape let's figure out where we are here all right this show is going to be canceled after this week anyway so we're gonna we're gonna be all right This takes us back to the book of 2 Corinthians. Let's see what the scripture says. And then we're going to look at the context in which this was written. Because this talks about how this passage applies to your life and to my life today. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 23. A simple pithy verse but a powerful meaning underneath it all. You were bought at a price. 
Do not become slaves of human beings. Okay, uh, now audience participation. I want you to read this along with me. Okay, let's go. You were at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. What does that mean? We're going to unpack that. You see, on The Price is Right, contestants have to know the price of certain items. How much does something cost? Well, that's the, uh, the, the question that our scripture this morning is seeking to answer. You were bought at a price, the scripture says. Therefore, you don't want to become slaves of human beings. Now, it's always helpful to understand the context of a scripture. And here's what the Apostle Paul was writing. He was writing to the Christians in the city of Corinth. It was one of the five largest and wealthiest and most important cities of the Roman Empire. Paul spent 18 months, a year and a half in Corinth, and he started the Christian church that was there. Now, in the passage that leads up to the verse that we just read together, Paul is talking about the situations in which the people would find themselves in the city of Corinth. Uh, you see, all too often, and this message is uh, going out to you and to me this morning as well, all too often, it's so easy to think that the answer to our problems is merely a change in circumstances or a change in setting. If only I had a better job, my, my life would be better. If only I lived in a more prestigious neighborhood, my, my problems would be solved. If, if only this part of my life was better, everything would turn out to be all right. Uh, but you see, Paul is refuting this popular notion that a, a change in circumstances, a change in setting is going to solve all of our problems. And I can't speak for you, friends, but I know at times I've been guilty of this. If only one part of my life would get better, then, then everything would be A-OK. -okay. Uh, but you see, in the passage of 1 Corinthians leading up to verse 23 in chapter 7, God is calling us to live a life with a sense of contentment, not a sense of complacency, not a sense of laziness, far from it, but a sense of contentment, knowing that where we are may not be where God is calling us to be tomorrow, but through the, the grace and the mercy and the presence and the peace and the prompting of the Holy Spirit, uh, that God will lead us to where we need to be. Are we willing to do that? Are we ready to do that? So Paul sums it up rather, relatively succinctly uh, that you and I were bought at a price. Hear this question. How much do you think you're worth? Uh, now, I'm not talking about your net worth. I'm talking about your self-worth, or, or really more importantly than that, friends, I'm talking about your God-worth. Uh, do you ever confuse your valuables for your value? You can be rich or poor, the scripture says, but it has nothing to do with your value. It has nothing to do with your self-worth, and it certainly has nothing to do with your God-worth. So with that said, what determines the value of someone? What determines the value of something? Well, in our free market economy, the price of something depends on what? It depends on what someone is willing to pay for it. 
I know a lot of you have been in the same situation, but before my family and I moved here, we sold our house. What determines how much you sell your house for? Well, honestly, it depends on what somebody is willing to pay. Maybe you get an offer and you're offended by it because it's so low. Or maybe uh, you're just incredibly pleased with the offer because maybe it's what you thought you could get or maybe even more than you thought you could get. But all of it is to say that it's based on what someone is willing to pay for it. Okay, Joe, what does this have to do with my life? You were bought at a price. Do not be a slave to human beings. You see, a a slave is someone who is ruled over by another. And so Paul is telling the Christians in Corinth that they, in fact, were bought at a price. What was the cost? It was the death of Christ. Why were they redeemed? Why were they bought out of slavery? Because God loves them and has something better in store for their lives. But what was the cost It was the cost of Christ on the cross. Born in the late 1700s, Simone Bolivar, he would grow up to be a Venezuelan military and political leader. Maybe you remember him from world history class. His brilliance brought about the independence of several nations that we know now in South America, Venezuela, Bolivia, Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, and Panama. And he won the independence of these nations from the mighty Spanish Empire. And after he secured victory for the people in the nation of Peru, the residents there wanted to do something special to show their appreciation for Bolivar and the fact that he had redeemed them and made them free. All right, where were we? It's, uh... No, Simon Bolivar. Okay, the, the people of Peru, they gave him a million dollars as a gift, or excuse me, a million pesos, not dollars, a million pesos to thank him for the fact that he redeemed them, for the fact that he set them free, that he won their independence from the Spanish Empire. That was a huge sum of money, a million pesos back in the 1800s. And so Bolivar, he asked the people of Peru, how many people in Peru are in slavery? Uh, The people in Peru told Bolivar that there were about 3,000 people living in slavery at that time. And so he followed up with another question, how much money does a slave sell for? He was told that an able-bodied slave would sell for about 350 pesos. So Simone Bolivar thought about it for a moment and he said, I will add whatever is necessary to this million pesos that you have given me and I will buy all of the slaves in Peru and I will set them free. After all, it makes no sense to free a nation unless all of its citizens enjoy freedom as well. And so he bought the freedom of all of the people in the nation of Peru. You see, Scripture, friends, says that Jesus did the same for you and for me, that despite our sin, despite our worldly deficiencies, God deemed that you and I 
are worthy to not only be loved, that we are, in fact, worthy to be saved, to be worthy of bought out of that spiritual bondage in which we have found ourselves. Why? Because of the amazing love that God has for each of his people. And just as a slave is ruled by someone else, Paul is stating that you and I are ruled by someone else. At times before we understand the the message of God's salvation offer. Uh, maybe our worldly desires are the things that define us or, or those things that hold us captive. Maybe it's hatred or bitterness. Maybe it's insecurity. Uh, maybe it's selfish ambition. It could be the ways at times in which we allow people in our culture to define us or describe us. But you see, Paul in 1 Corinthians is boldly declaring that each of us is bought for a price. We have been set free from sin and shame and even death. And so we experience this, this liberty, this freedom, and, and we must not go back to that place. That's what Paul's talking about when he says, do not become slaves to men. He's not talking about a literal slave exchange, but he's talking about the ways in which very often, instead of letting God define us, we allowed the world to define us. A slave who has been set free certainly wouldn't want to go back to the old life that he or she was able to escape. And the same, Paul says, goes for you and for me. The new life, the new freedom in which we now find ourselves. We have been set free. We have been bought at a cost, a cost, a price that Jesus paid with his life. We now belong to God. We're no longer bound by the things of this world. A lot of you know that I'm a, a big college football fan. I went to Georgia, but my wife and all of her family, they are big Texas Longhorn fans. And our nine-year-old daughter, you know, just to show that nobody's perfect, she has become a Texas fan. And in January, of this last year, we took our family down to New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl. Georgia was playing Texas. Texas ended up winning the game. And my wife uh, bought my daughter a Texas Longhorn jersey. You can, you can see it up here. It's nice and all, but when we were in New Orleans, we were able to find out where the Texas football team was staying. My daughter made a big sign that said, Sam, will you marry me? Sam is Sam Ellinger, the quarterback for the Texas Longhorns. And when we were in the hotel lobby, one of the linebackers for Texas was in there. And he saw our little nine-year-old daughter. She was eight years old then. She was holding this sign. And so this player pulled out his cell phone, called up to Sam Ellinger's room, the quarterback for the University of Texas. He came down a back elevator. He saw us. He went up and he, he hugged my daughter. He hugged all of our family. And he spent about 50 minutes with us uh, just talking and he signed all of uh, the, the different articles of clothing including my son's University of Georgia uh, <laughs> jersey by the way so it's kind of cool and so here is my daughter's football jersey it's signed by several members of the Texas team and including Sam Ellinger. He's number 11. And so it's kind of cool because truthfully my wife bought the jersey for I don't know let's say like $70. But now it's been signed by a couple of other people, and according to eBay, it's worth now about $499. So pretty cool. It's just an average jersey, but because of someone's handiwork on it, it explodes in price. Just like that. 
it expands and increases in price. You see, the fact that we are called to live out our lives, understanding that it's God who claims us. It's God who provides our identity. It's God who should be the one who leads us and guides us as he continues to woos us into a closer relationship with Christ. And in many cases, because of the presence of God in our lives, it's going to affect the way, I hope, that we live our lives. It certainly should impact and influence and change the ways in which we view other people. Uh, maybe people with whom we don't have much in common. It's going to affect the ways in which we treat people, many of whom may not be like us. It will affect the ways in which we look at people, many of whom maybe we don't even like. In the book of Hebrews, for example, we're told to remember those who are in prison as if you are in prison with them. In the book of James, it directs the followers of Christ to remember the orphans and the uh, widows. In Matthew 25, Jesus is talking to his followers and he's talking about the ways in which we're called to live our lives as followers of Jesus, talking about helping the sick and visiting those in prison. And Jesus says, truly I tell you, whatever you do for the least of these, my brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Why? Because God is calling us to see the worth in those people around us. Just as Jesus sees the worth in you and in me. That maybe there are people who have been forgotten or overlooked by our culture and they don't think they're worth anything. And maybe our culture tells them that they're not worth anything, but they haven't been forgotten by God. And God is saying, guys, because of my presence in your lives, because of the price that I paid for your lives, remember that I paid the price for their lives as well. And just as my daughter's seemingly ordinary football jersey is now worth a lot more because of those who have had their hands on it, God is saying, your lives are worth a lot more than the world tells you because of my hands all over your lives. That God, the scripture says, created a rescue plan for each and every one of us. That regardless of where we've been or what we've done, we have been set free. How? Well, through the death of Jesus, who took on the sin of the world so that we, in fact, could be set free. Why? Because of the amazing love that God has for you and for me. That the scripture says that Jesus paid a, a hefty price by pursuing each of us. With that said, though, what is the cost, therefore, of following Jesus? We know the cost that, that Jesus paid for pursuing each of us, but what is that cost that we're called to pay? And, and we find a powerful and often truly a, a really misunderstood interaction that Jesus had with some people who publicly declares their desire to follow him. Jesus, you see, had a, attracted large crowds with his teaching and his preaching, and people had heard of his miracles, and people were flocking to hear what Jesus would say. They, they were intrigued by the ways in which he often spoke down to the religious leaders of his day. People wanted to see if he would perform some other powerful miracle. So the world traveled fast around what we now know as the Middle East, in which uh, people were, were just flocking to see and to hear what Jesus would say and do next. And so I'm going to take you to uh, the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. 
Okay, these, these people were, were following Jesus. They were pursuing Christ. And, and one of the men, they, he goes up to Jesus and he says, I will follow you, Christ, wherever you go. And Jesus says, in fact, okay, follow me. But, but then the man says to Jesus, Lord, permit me to first go and bury my father. Let me go bury my father. Then, Jesus, I'll, I'll come back and I will follow you. But, but Jesus said to the man, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. So this guy says, okay, Jesus, I want to follow you. Uh, let me go first, bury my father, and then I'm going to come back. And Jesus says, no, don't do that. Let the dead bury themselves. What, what does that mean? It, it sounds kind of crass, even kind of rude to the guy. And so as Jesus and his followers were walking to the, the next destination, again, all these people were coming up to him, and, and they were excited about being a, a follower of Christ, as this man was. And, and yet Jesus said, no, the, the, the cost of following me is quite high. And so when Jesus, for example, when he responded, okay, let the dead go bury their dead, the, the, the guy, culturally speaking, wasn't saying, okay, I'm, I'm on my way to my dad's funeral. He passed away. Uh, no, you see what he was saying grammatically is the fact that something will happen in the future. Let me first wait until my parents die. I'm watching over them right now. When my father dies, then Jesus, I am all yours. Uh, but Jesus doesn't say, okay, that, that sounds good. Uh, rather, Jesus says, no, let the dead go bury themselves. You need to follow me because I have something awesome, something amazing, and something costly in store for you. Jesus is quite upfront about the cost of discipleship. You see, very often we want folks to think that by adding Christ to their lives, it really is an add-on to an already good life. But Jesus is saying, no, it's not an add-on. Rather, it's a change. It's something radically different. It may mean that you give up some comfort. It may mean that you go out to places to reach people that maybe you never wanted to go reach before. But Jesus says, come follow me. Yeah, the cost is high, but the rewards are even greater. How often have we put off the cost of following Christ? Okay, Jesus, as soon as I finish this big project at work, I'll, I'll start worshiping you a little bit more strongly. Or after the holidays, or, or maybe once the summer starts, or, or maybe once school gets back in session, Jesus, I'm, I'm all yours. Okay, Jesus, you know, I love you, you know that. Uh, but right now my life is just too crazy, it's too hectic. I, I can't really pay that cost right now, but, but maybe one day soon I will. And the truth is, even in my life, I found so many ways to say, okay, Jesus, hold on. Okay, I know there's, a, there's the, the, the cost for following you, but, but right now I'm not quite ready for that. I was too busy. I was too engulfed in my career. I was too busy trying to, to find a wife. And I was too busy trying to, 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 to raise kids. And, and all these things would come in the way of what God is asking us to do. Uh, you see, friends, on the price is right. We have to know the cost. We have to know the, the price of certain things. And Scripture tells us the exact same thing. We're called to remember the price that has been paid for each of us. 
that gift of freedom, that gift of hope, that gift of joy, that gift of peace, that gift of salvation, that gift of the assurance of eternal life with God and the presence of God's presence here and now with us. But the scripture says that each of us was saved from something and we have been saved for something. You see, Jesus is calling us to be followers and not merely fans. Why? Because Jesus paid a hefty price for each of us. And as difficult as it may seem to fathom that someone died for you and someone died for me and someone died for those people out there that we don't know, Jesus died for those folks we may not even like, Jesus paid for those who are on the, uh, the margins or, or the, the fringes of our culture or our society. Jesus says, I am going to die for you. Joe, I am going to die for you. Yeah, it's costly, but because of my love for you, the price is right. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the enormous price that you have paid for each of us. And Lord God, may we see the enormous worth that you find in each of us. God, open our eyes to the needs of those around us and help us to see people rather than problems. Help us to love one another as you have loved us and help us to really believe that our words, our actions, our reactions, our attitudes can literally affect the lives of those around us. Lord God, may we take full advantage of the opportunity to bless other people. And may we be blown away by the awesome privilege of doing this in your name. The fact that you claim us, that you buy us, you redeem us, Lord. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, there are... Just so many ways in which God says, okay, I want you to, to follow me. So many ways in which we can respond to that invitation from God. We respond through our words and we respond through our presence. We respond through our gifts. We respond through our service. And one of the ways in which we, we respond is through our giving. And our giving, it fuels the mission and the ministry of Chapel Roswell, where literally lives are being transformed. You can see a variety of the ways up on the big screen in which we can give to, again, fuel that mission, that ministry, that vision of Chapel Roswell. And as the baskets are being passed this morning, as you feel led, let's stand as we sing our final song this morning. <laughs>